circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflation! He scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, hero! Hi, hello. Welcome to the WHL Podcast. I am Zach Hodder, the manager of player development for the Western Hockey League. There's no news or notes this week. There's nothing extra because we got about an hour-long episode of talking about the NHL draft that happened last week. We are going to focus on the players from the Western Hockey League that were drafted from the second to the seventh round. I sat down with Taylor Rocca, the director of communications for the Western Hockey League. I hope you like our conversation. I'm here with Taylor Roca, Director of Communications for the Western Hockey League, here to talk about the NHL draft. We have done a lot of work on our top players, the seven guys who went in the first round of the NHL draft, but we had 21 other players that got drafted last Wednesday, and those are the guys I want to talk about today. And let's get started right away in the second round, number 55 overall. Cross Hannes from the Portland Winterhawks. Taylor, this is a guy that uh, you've dealt with. What does Cross do and what did Detroit see in him uh, to go where he went? Well, Cross Hannes, I mean, he's he's another one of these players that we're starting to see come out of the Texas area. Um, we're seeing more and more of them over the years, which is really great for the development of the game down south. I like to refer to Cross Hannes as a human highlight reel. Twice this past season, including on opening weekend in September 2019, uh, you know, we watched Cross Hannes in behind the opposition net. Classic lacrosse style goal, picks the puck up on his stick, wraps it around. You know, we've started to see it more. We've seen that play more in the world of hockey, but for a player to have the confidence and the ability to execute that, you know, not once, but twice in the same season, to me is pretty spectacular. And it speaks to the level of creativity that Cross Hannis brings to the game. You know, he's, he's an incredible offensive talent. And, uh, you know, for me at 55, I think the Detroit Red Wings did real good to pick up a player that I think just kind of fits what I think about the Detroit Red Wings. You, you think of the Pavel Datsuks, the Sergei Fedorovs, you know, highly skilled very creative offensive players that have come through the Red Wings over the course of the last 15, 20, 30 years. Cross Hannes has an opportunity to kind of fit right in with the way I define the Detroit Red Wings. So exciting pick for Red Wings fans there at 55. Jesse Wallen, one of the directors of amateur scouting for the Detroit Red Wings. Wed Wings? Sorry, I can't talk today. I got my wisdom teeth out a few days ago, so I'm still adjusting my voice and my language. Um, I'm hoping my my voice finally drops and I become a man, but we aren't quite there yet. Right after Cross went uh, Tristan Robbins, who he jumped the most out of almost any WHL player this year coming into the season. He goes 56 overall to the San Jose Sharks. Taylor, what does the Saskatoon Blades love so much about Tristan? I know Colin Priestner put out a great little story about him after he got drafted, but what does Tristan do and why did he have such a such a good season where he was able to develop from from game one until unfortunately we had to cancel the season early. Well, I think opportunity was probably a big part of the rise that we saw out of Tristan Robbins this year. Uh, you know, he's he's a centerman. Previously would have been stacked up behind a player like Kirby Doc, who obviously left a void in the Blades lineup this year when he graduated on to the National Hockey League with the Chicago Blackhawks. So Tristan Robbins all of a sudden becomes your number one center and has the opportunity to take on bigger minutes, play in more situations and be relied upon more. You know, over the course of the second half of the season, he really stepped into that. And I, I imagine it probably took some time for Tristan Robbins to develop a little bit more confidence in a role like that. But he soared over the second half of the season. And Zach, you mentioned, you know, he was one of the quickest risers throughout the year up the NHL central scouting ranks. Uh, you know, mid-season in January, he was ranked 134th among North American skaters. By the end of the season, NHL Central Scouting's final ranks had him pegged 86th among North American skaters. He ends up going 56th to San Jose, which is an incredible rise. We hear a lot of people compare Tristan Robbins to Braden Point. That's a really lofty comparison. And obviously you don't want to put that kind of pressure on a kid, but I think it speaks to the intelligence that he brings to the game, the way he sees the ice and the all-round ability that he has to be effective 
in all facets of the game. So the San Jose Sharks have got to be excited about getting Tristan Robbins here. And, you know, a nice, fun sort of tidbit is his father, Trevor Robbins, actually had a cup of coffee with the San Jose Sharks back in 1994-95. So there's some family ties there. His father played hockey at a very high level, albeit not a large game count uh, at the NHL level. Tristan Robbins, I think one of the best stories coming out of the 2020 NHL draft. Certainly something, you know, the Saskatoon Blades and, and their fan base to be excited about. Speaking of those family bloodlines in the NHL, our next pick who went 57th overall, this will happen again in the fifth round where we have three WHL players going back to back to back. Uh, that's Jack Finley from Kelowna, BC. He plays for the Spokane Chiefs. He's a big-bodied offensive forward. Tampa obviously likes something about his game quite a bit. Their scout for the Western Hockey League is former Brandon Wheat Kings GM Grant Armstrong. So, Taylor, what do you think Grant, the Tampa Bay staff, saw in Jack that made them want to pick him off the board at 57th overall? Well, I mean, Jack Finley is a highly touted prospect. Uh, he was on scouts radar all season. He appeared at the CHL NHL top prospects game in Hamilton this past year. And, um, you know, I think had a pretty good showing there. offensive minded player. He had 57 points in 61 games in what I would say was a secondary role with a, a, a veteran deep Spokane chiefs team that was primed to go on a run. Jack Finley, it's going to sound cliche, but what you have to like about him is you can't teach size. And Jack Finley is six foot five, 205 pounds. I look at a Tampa Bay Lightning squad that really has made its money with undersized skilled players. We've talked about Braden Point briefly, Nikita Kucherov, Tyler Johnson, a former Spokane chief. He's not a big guy. So Tampa Bay has had a lot of success with smaller players particularly over the last few years, perhaps they're looking at, while well, we need to add some size to our lineup, what better than a six foot five centerman down the middle who can come in in a few years, has the ability to play a high, a high offensive game and can work with, you know, some of these undersized guys to maybe create some space for them. That though is where I think Jack Finley has some room to grow. And it's not to say that he can't accomplish that, but at six foot five and 205 pounds, you got to use that to your advantage. I think of another former Western Hockey League player that's done a really good job of that over the years and has made life miserable for a lot of NHL players around the league is Ryan Getzlaff. He's a big bodied centerman that has really used his size to his advantage over the years. And, you know, if Jack Finley can call upon that size and play that big man's game, I think he's going to be a real effective player for the Tampa Bay Lightning down the road here. And that's something he can work on this upcoming season. He'll be a year older. He'll have had, you know, essentially two summers to train here to put on some size, to, to get ready for what's going to be a much bigger role for himself next year. And I think that uh, for Jack, sky's the limit for him. It's just about how much he's willing to commit to playing a 68-game schedule uh, as a top-line guy, playing a very hard style of hockey. And that's what he needs to do to get to the next level. And that's what Tampa, I think, expects him to do. But moving on, we got our last pick in the second round here. Another terrific story. A guy whose last name I also have struck, I struggle to pronounce. That's Gage Gonsalves. He's from Mission, BC. Very offensive forward. Taylor, he went undrafted in the WHL Bantam draft. First season in the Western League, scores one goal. Second season in the Western Hockey League, scores 33. What did he do this season to have such a terrific offensive output? And, you know, where do you think he's going to do next season coming back as a 19-year-old player? Yeah, well, Gage Gonsalves, I mean, this has to be one of the best stories, certainly out of the Western Hockey League tied into the 2020 NHL draft, like you mentioned, for a player to go undrafted into the Western Hockey League and rise as quickly as we have seen Gage Gonsalves rise is truly incredible. Now, what did he do to achieve that? I was lucky, to, lucky enough to talk to Gage prior to the NHL draft. And you know what he told me was he came in in his rookie year when he scored that one goal, and he was just trying to find his way. He was trying to get an understanding of the speed of the game, the size of the competition, and the level at which he needed to think the game in order to be successful. So, you know, over his rookie year, he got a feel for that. And then he said to himself, I want to be a top six guy. I want to be somebody that helps drive the offense for the Everett Silvertips. I want to be out there on power play number one. I want to be out there on PK number one. And I want to be out there in the last 30 seconds of the game when we're protecting a lead. And I want to be taking those face-offs. So he went into the gym, he focused on adding some muscle and some strength while also keeping his speed 
And I think it took maybe a few games for him to find his place, but he was given the opportunity to play in those roles that he had, you know, set out to achieve. And really he took off. So Gage Gonsalves, he put in work during the off season and he dedicated himself to becoming a bigger, faster, stronger player. And when he was given the opportunities to step into bigger roles with Everett, he made the most of them. Gage Gonsalves going 62nd overall to the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the second Western Leaguer Tampa Bay took in the second round. Moving on to round three now. Our first pick in the third round came at number 65. Moose Jaw Warriors defenseman Damon Hunt. Damon was ranked very high going into this season. Unfortunately, two things really hindered his ability to, to show scouts what he had. One of those was a, a very serious wrist injury. He sustained a, a very bad cut on his wrist during a game in December in Edmonton. And then the cancellation of the season. Right when he came back, pretty much the Western Hockey League shut down. So scouts didn't get a great look at him this year. I think he is a guy who at 65 is a tremendous pick for the Minnesota Wild. He definitely is a defenseman that can play all areas of the game. I think in the NHL, he projects to be most likely, you know, a 3-4 guy that can, he can come on, be your second power play defenseman if you need him, but he's a PP1 guy. He eats up big minutes down the stretch. He's the type of guy that you're putting out on the ice with a minute left. Taylor, what do you like about Damon Hunt's game? Well, yeah, I mean, this is an absolute steal for the Minnesota Wild. If Damon Hunt is healthy throughout this season, I think you're looking at him hearing his name called in the 30 to 45 range of the draft. I really do believe he is that good of a defenseman. I mean, Zach, you've kind of gone through, uh, you know, everything that it is that he brings to the ice for the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's another guy that's on Hockey Canada's radar. He was in these sessions this past summer for World Junior Camp. It, you know, he's a tremendous tremendous talent and he gets it done at both ends of the rink so he's solid in every facet of the game and what I really like about Damon Hunt is he still has that physical bite to him he's not the biggest defenseman he's not six foot three or six foot four but he still engages with the opposition physically and that's something that I really like about him um, whenever I've had the opportunity to watch Damon Hunt play he's at his best when he's engaged physically so you know that's that's something that I think Minnesota Wild fans can look forward to is you know he's another one of these Western Hockey League defensemen that's going to join there you know I think of Jared Spurgeon who's a different type of defenseman than Damon Hunt but came out of the Western Hockey League plays with a certain tenacity that you know fans in Minnesota are going to appreciate in the long run. Moving on from Damon, we go to number 73 overall. That is Calgary Hitman defenseman and Nashville Predators pick, Luke Prokop. Uh, Luke Prokop, like you said earlier, you can't teach size. Uh, he's a big defenseman, 6'3". I think with Luke, he's a, he's a guy that has played a lot of minutes as a young player in the Western Hockey League, and he still has a lot of development room to go. I think specifically you look at his skating, go even deeper on the skating, his agility east-west quickly needs to be developed a little bit more if he wants to get to the NHL level, but he's well on his way to becoming a professional hockey player. Uh, Luke Prokop, he's a guy that we get to see quite a bit. Taylor, what do you think that the Nashville Predators are hoping that he's going to turn into as he continues here? Luke Prokop has the ability to turn into just a really steady, simple NHL defenseman. And when I say that, I don't mean any offense by that. I like to me, Luke Prokop is a meat and potatoes guy that does a lot of small things right and keeps the game simple. When Luke Prokop is at his best, you don't really notice him out there. He just takes care of things in his own end of the rink, makes simple plays and gets off the ice. Uh, he's not going to wow you in the offensive end of the rink with a big shot or, you know, necessarily the ability to quarterback a power play, but he's going to make simple passes to keep plays alive defensive end of the rink he's good at getting in lanes he's good at keeping players to the outside not overly I, I don't find him to be overly physical which is again you know we talked about Jack Finley needing to engage physically a little bit more I, I think you could probably see that from Luke Prokop if he's going to be successful as a professional uh, you know make use of that big body but Nashville's done a really good job of developing defensemen over the years and different types of defensemen so you know, I think Luke Prokop has the opportunity to step in to the Nashville Predators organization and probably work with 
some other good defensemen that are going to help him uh, establish his game at the professional level. Something cool that doesn't necessarily apply on the ice, but Luke Prokop is, he grew up a Nashville Predators fan. I don't know how that happens. Uh, You know, he's from Edmonton, but guy's a Nashville Predators fan, boyhood dream to hear your favorite team call, uh, call your name in the draft. So that's something pretty cool for Luke, Luke Prokop. I must have been colorblind growing up because those Predators jerseys were hard to look at a few years ago, especially when he was coming up. Our last pick in round three is Vancouver Giants forward, 87th overall to the Florida Panthers. One of the most interesting players from our league in this year's draft. Uh, You know, he could have been a potential first round pick or at some points he could have been undrafted, but he was, he's a guy that I think next year, Justin sort of is going to be a force in the Western Hockey League. Back-to-back 20-goal seasons, you know, 26 goals, I think, last year. I don't think he reached his full potential at 17 years old. He's a high-skill offensive forward. He's not afraid to crash and bang, but his consistency is just not there yet. With that being said, I think at 87 overall, the Florida Panthers got a very good pick. This is a guy that could leapfrog your first and your second-round pick quite easily after a few more years of development. Uh, Taylor, you've got to talk with him at the top prospects game. You've got to be around him. Uh, What's Justin sort of like, and, you know, what can the Vancouver Giants expect having him come back this year? Yeah, I mean, off the ice, Justin sort of is a pretty soft-spoken young man, but, you know, communicates with a certain amount of confidence. That's what I've always taken away from my conversations with him. He knows what his strengths are. I think he realizes that he's a highly talented offensive player who can put the puck in the net, and that's what he's expected to do. I found it really interesting that he dropped as far as he did. He was ranked 23rd among North American skaters by NHL Central Scouting coming into the draft, and then ends up dropping to 87. I agree with you, Zach, and that this could be a real steal for the Florida Panthers, and I do think a lot of it comes down to consistency. Justin Sordoff, we've seen him score some eye-popping goals. He's got great hands, he's got great finish, and he has a great shot. Uh, It's just a matter of putting it together on a nightly basis. The way he describes himself, and I, I don't know why, but this just stands out to me. When we were talking with him, in Hamilton at the Kubota CHL NHL top prospects game, he said, you know, when I'm at my best and when I'm feeling on, I'm like a dog on a bone. He has that kind of tenacity, but it's for whatever reason, it's not always there. Justin sort of is going to come back. He's going to have the opportunity to be a leader and be an offensive catalyst once again for the Vancouver giants. And he's got to find a way to have that tenacity every single night, night in and night out, um, because that's ultimately what's going to, carry him to the next level he's a guy that went through spurts last year he started the season so strong um you know he was one of the top guys in the western hockey league and then he falls off but at 17 years old that's expected i think the one thing about justin Sertif is his two years in the western hockey league he's plus 57 right now which is incredibly impressive for any young man uh entering our league especially the way he plays the game uh it just shows that you know being a two-way forward is so important in today's game Uh, Well, that ends it for the third round. We're now moving to the fourth, where we have our first goalie from the Western Hockey League being taken this year. That is coming in at number 103, Dylan Grant from the Kamloops Blazers. He's going to the New York Rangers, joining Alexei Lafreniere. Grant was our academic player of the year this past season. He is a goalie that has pretty much faced it all already at 17 years old with the Kamloops Blazers. He won the tiebreak game last year for the Blazers against the Kelowna Rockets. Taylor, what does Dylan do well? And Hockey Canada loves him. The New York Rangers love him. Uh, why should the Kamloops Blazers be so excited that they have him as their starting goalie? The guy is about as cool as they come. You talk to him and he's so calm. You watch that in his play on the ice as well. That to me is, is one of Dylan Garan's biggest assets is just the composure. You know, at 16, you mentioned him. He comes in, he plays the tiebreaker game in a high pressure situation for the Kamloops Blazers. Didn't look out of place, didn't look nervous, got the job done and did it in an incredible fashion. The New York Rangers are going to get that one day down the road here. I love this pick for the New York Rangers. You know, Dylan Garan was third in a number of key goaltending categories statistically in the Western Hockey League this year. He racked up 28 wins. He had a 2.21 goals against average and a point. 921 save percentage. He had four shutouts. He was a big part of why the Blazers won the BC division title this past year. What I like about Garan's game, I think he's very technically sound, 
but he's still a very athletic goaltender. He's not a big guy. That's a knock on him. He's not a six foot four goaltender. He's not a pecorine in terms of his physical size, but he's technically sound. He's athletic. I love his left to right push. You watch a highlight reel of Dylan Grand and the number of times that he's getting from the left post to the right post, stretching out, making a right pad save. Uh, I mean, you can't even count. You've talked about Hockey Canada loving him. I think there's a really good chance that he ends up suiting up for Hockey Canada at the World Junior Championship here one day. This is a goaltender who seems to thrive off of high-pressure situations and brings his best to the ice at those times. You talked about him being the WHL Scholastic Player of the Year. He's an intelligent guy. He's a student of the game. I understand that Dylan Grand does a lot off the ice to study in preparation. So to me, when you have an intelligent player who's got that sort of drive, good things are going to come. When it happens, who knows? I mean, goalies, I think, are really tough to project, but I really like this pick for the New York Rangers, and I think down the line they've got an excellent player in their system. Yeah, sometimes goalies in the NHL, you might as well just throw all their hats, their names in a hat and pick them out, and that's uh, it's about as good as the scouts do when it comes to scouting. Uh, the goaltenders, it's such a hard position, especially when these guys are so young, and it's, it is such a mental position as well. Last pick in the fourth round, we only had two, is Lucas. Again, I'm sorry. Lucas, I know your dad real well. Yogi, I, he makes it easy. You're making it hard on me pronouncing this last name. Sev, Sevkovsky, Taylor? Svekovsky. Svekovsky. I just call him Little Yogi. Uh, he plays for the Mess and Hat Tigers after a trade from the Vancouver Giants where he uh, exploded offensively. The Tigers, in my conversation with Bobby Fox and Willie Desjardins, they really think this is going to be at least a point-of-player game in the Western Hockey League next year, if not more. He is a perfect Medicine Hat Tigers mold, a smaller forward, high, high, high skill, loves to play a quick game. His feet are always moving. He's very dynamic, and he's actually a pretty good defensive forward at the same time. Um, you know, what does Lucas do that Pittsburgh wants on their team and in their organization? They're going through a little bit of a, a semi-rebuild here, or like to say a retool. What does Lucas do well? And uh, why is Madison Hat so excited that, that this guy they were able to get last year from Vancouver? The biggest thing that stands out to me on most nights with when we're talking about Lucas Fakovsky is his shot. Uh, the guy has pinpoint accuracy and a really great release. And oftentimes that's what he uses to beat goaltenders, uh, particularly in the Western Hockey League. You've talked about his skill. His father was a first round pick of the Washington Capitals, which I find kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at the whole Pittsburgh Washington rivalry, Sydney, Crosby and Ovechkin. And now you've got Yogi who was a Washington Capital first round pick in 96 and his son, Lucas, who's now, fourth round pick of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. I find that kind of fun and interesting, but it's a highly skilled player. And, you know, one of the best things that Lucas Fakovsky has going for him moving forward is the skill and the knowledge of his father, who I think I imagine will work with him to help prepare him to make that jump to the next level. Pittsburgh has done great work with skilled players over the years. I, I think that goes without saying. And, you know, I'm a little bit surprised to see them take a player out of the Western Hockey League. We haven't seen a whole lot of Pittsburgh Penguins draft selections out of the Western Hockey League over the last few years. But Lucas Fakovsky, uh, I don't want to say undersized, but smaller, skilled forward that I think fits really well with what Pittsburgh's done successfully over the years. And he's got bloodlines and, uh, you know, family knowledge that's going to help develop him and prepare him to, to make that jump. Uh, his father right now is a coach at Delta Hockey Academy, where his younger sister plays on the var on the varsity women's hockey team. She is committed to Colgate University and he's also uh, attending the U.S. national team uh, evaluation camp for the World Juniors as well, which is taking place October 8th to 12th in Michigan where the U.S. national development team program headquarters are. And with that, we will take a quick break from our draft recap and we will throw to an interview that Taylor did with Seth Jarvis, the 13th overall selection to the Carolina Hurricanes. And then we'll come back with the fifth, sixth and seventh round capping off the Western Hockey League in the NHL draft. Pleased to be joined by Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks. He's the 13th overall selection at the 2020 NHL draft, the newest member 
of the Carolina Hurricanes. Seth, you know, off the top, congratulations on being selected Tuesday night. Uh, you know, how's it feel? Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> it's uh, it's something that's hard to describe. I think uh, the feelings the feelings pretty cool when it uh, when it finally happened. I kind of kind of blacked out for a second, sitting on the couch and standing up, and then. It was just pure, pure enjoyment, pure excitement. Just I was around my friends and family, so it was nice to to be joined by people who supported me the whole way. A little bit of a different experience than I think most kids would have anticipated. Um, you know, we're certainly used to watching on TV the draft take place in a big arena. You know, how was that experience for you, having your family and friends at home and getting to be there with them in a little bit more of an intimate environment to you know share in such a big day? Like you said, it's a lot different. I think uh, everyone dreams of going up on the stage and shaking the commissioner's hand again, that kind of, that cool picture. But this was something that's, uh, that's hard to replicate. I think, uh, I think I'm very lucky to be surrounded by people who, who uh, whether it's friends or family who supported me, like I said. So it was nice to have that kind of enjoyment altogether. I think if the draft was in Montreal, I think I wouldn't have been able to bring everybody. So it was nice to have that moment with, with a few more people that I could, could really spend time with. So the Carolina Hurricanes, Carolina is obviously a little ways away from Winnipeg. You know, what do you know about the organization, you know, since, or I guess, what, what have you learned about the organization since you were selected on Tuesday night? Yeah, I've learned that they're super passionate. I can tell by their fans and stuff like that. I've been getting tons of messages, just congratulating me and welcoming me in. So it feels amazing. It's nice to, to have that kind of support from not only the, the organization itself, but also the fan base. So that was awesome. And then talking and meeting with the, the coaches, general manager, and uh, a couple of the, the skills department people. It's been nice to just introduce myself, lay a ground base, and uh, just kind of start from here. So you've been skating with Morgan Geeky, who's a former Western Hockey League player, and uh, you've been skating with Stelio Matheos as well, who uh, both those guys are from the Winnipeg area. Um, you know, how cool is it having connections with a couple of guys who have come through the Western Hockey League, are from your neck of the woods, and are also a part of the Hurricanes organization. Yeah, it's great. I think it's something that'll make the transition a lot easier for my first camp. I think just having a couple of friendly faces, uh, I have a pretty good relationship with both of them and it's only gonna get better uh, now that we're at the same organization. So I saw them today, they congratulated me, which was awesome. And uh, I'm just excited to see, see what happens moving forward. Let's talk about this past season. And I guess it ended in a strange way, but prior to that, you know, you had an incredible year. Uh, 98 points, you finished second in Western Hockey League scoring, and uh, you're named most sportsmanlike player. So, uh, you know, an incredible year for you all the way around. Uh, you look back on it, even though it was probably feels like it was a long time ago now. Um, you know, what helped you find the success that you had this past season? Everyone around me, from, from my family, my friends, to the coaching staff, and uh, the teammates and fans in Portland, and my, my billet family, the Aftbaz, they they all were huge for me, just showing me tons of support and trust, and especially with the coaching staff. I think uh, I started off the season a little bit rough, and uh, they never they never wavered in their confidence in me. And seeing that really really built confidence in myself, and really let me take that next step and really elevate my game. Now playing for the Portland Winterhawks under Mike Johnston, uh, you know obviously he's got an incredible amount of experience at a number of different levels. Uh, you know how much of a positive impact has that had on your development to this point? He's been massive, yeah. Ever since I went in there the first day at 15, he, uh, he just showed me, showed me what it's like to be a pro and how to, how to act like a pro. So when you go in there at a young age and you're surrounded by people like that and people with that much experience, it's, uh, it's hard to not learn and grow from it. So he's been someone that's not only helped my game tremendously on the ice, but just how to handle myself off the ice as well. Now, uh, you know, you've said you've chatted with a few people, a few different people from within the Hurricanes organization. You're obviously working through an uncertain offseason here. Uh, what kind of things are you focusing on as you try to continue that development and work your way towards one day becoming a full-time NHL player? Yeah, a lot of it for me is in the gym. Uh, I need to get bigger and stronger. So that's uh, been a big focal point of mine, and especially – with this extra time off, it's been it's been awesome for me just being able to stay in the gym a little bit longer and really have almost an extended summer. So it's been it's been great for my development, especially especially with my body and kind of growing into more of a more of a man's body. So that's uh, that's been my big goal. And then on the ice, it's just refining all those kind of details. I think uh, 
there's definitely some stuff I wanted to clean up and now it's uh, all coming together since I've been skating for a while now. So it's, it's feeling good. You talk about the extended summer. Um, you know what, I guess, what is next for you? Obviously we don't know when the next hockey season will start yet. We're targeting December. The NHL has said they're targeting January 1st. Uh, you know, what's next for you as you kind of look ahead to stepping on the ice in a game situation at some point in the near future? Since uh, the draft just passed, that was kind of the, the next upcoming thing on my checklist. Now it's uh, moving on to World Junior Camp. That's, uh, that's supposed to be coming up here pretty soon. So that's something I'm preparing for and something that's uh, kind of next up on that list and uh, something I want to be uh, going into full game shape and full no rust uh, to kind of hop into that camp. Perfect. Well, Seth, appreciate you taking the time to do this. Congratulations on being selected 13th overall by the Carolina Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, we wish you best of luck with the World Juniors and hope to see you on the ice sometime soon. Thank you very much. And we are back with Taylor Roca, the Director of Communications for the Western Hockey League, the hardest working man in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Taylor, we're moving on to the fifth round. The first pick in the fifth round from the Western Hockey League is Alex Cotton to the Detroit Red Wings at pick 132. Cotton led all WHL defensemen in points last year with 67 points, which is quite remarkable considering the season before he had 11. He's a guy from Langley, BC. He's an overage player that was selected in this year's draft. He was passed over last season. He talked to me before. Uh, the, the draft happened about what it's like playing with guys like Dylan Cousins and Kalen Addison and how they prepared him for the draft process. He's a tremendous offensive defenseman. He needs to work on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, we talked about consistency with a few players before with Alex Cotton, you're going to get a consistent game from him all the time. He's going to always bring that high energy offense. He's jumping into the play. He doesn't have a tremendous um, shot from the point, but he has a very accurate shot from the point. He gets shots through and he finds sticks. For him, consistency needs to come on the defensive end of the puck. He needs to play as consistent offensively, the same way defensively. Uh, Taylor, you've got to see him play quite a bit. What do you like about his game and, and what do you think is something that's going to translate well for him at the NHL level? Well, I mean, I think what I like most about Alex Cotton is just the persistence um, and, you know, a willingness to continue pushing towards that ultimate goal you know I, I think that's the best part of his story is the fact that you know Alex Cotton was like you've talked about he was passed over in last year's NHL draft comes back motivated steps onto the ice as a member of uh, you know another talented Lethbridge Hurricanes team and isn't their number one defenseman he isn't their top guy obviously you know a player like Kalen Addison was defenseman of the year in the Eastern Conference you know Alex Cotton after being passed over, was motivated to step in and have a bigger impact, have a better season, and it paid off for him. This, to me, is the takeaway with a player like Alex Cotton, is that the dream is never truly over. <laughs> um, I mean, it might, be, it might be over for guys like you and me, Zach, but as long as you're still out there playing games, you have a chance. And that's what I take away from Al, the season that Alex Cotton had is that he came in motivated. He put in work. He had an incredible year and the Detroit Red Wings took note of that. And they call his name in the fifth round, which, um, you know, is a great testament to, to his persistence and his willingness to continue working. Yeah, he told me he was in the gym, uh, double the amount he was the year before. And obviously that hard work's paid off and hopefully he's able to create those habits that he learned from cousins and Addison to be the leader next year, because Addison's going to be gone. He's, uh, with the Minnesota Wild now traded in the Jason Zucker trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, there's a big difference between being the number two and being the number one. So for him, real big challenge coming up next season. Moving along, pick number 146 is Kelowna Rockets import Pavel Novak uh, to the Minnesota Wild. Pavel from Tabor, Czech Republic. He was a guy that came into the Kelowna Rockets this past season, provided an immediate spark to their offense at 17 years old. He was going to be a big, big part of their Memorial Cup push. They brought in a lot of guys, and Novak was a pretty important centerpiece on the offensive side of the puck. He's another smaller guy, uh, tremendous skill. He's the type of player that um, a lot of teams want to have because he's a David Perron-type player in the fact that he has a ton of skill, but he can also get underneath your opponent, your, the opponent's skin. Um, Taylor, 
when the Kelowna Rockets picked this guy in the CHL import draft, he definitely ended up exceeding their expectations. He is currently starting the year over in the Czech Republic. But what did you like about his game last season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think any time a player is coming to North America from Europe for the first time, there's a little bit of a learning curve that they have to go through and they have to adjust to A, what life is like in North America, B, what the game is like in North America, because I, I think hockey that's played you know, in the Western Hockey League is very different from what most of these players would see back in their home country. So Pavel Novak comes overseas, makes that transition and very quickly becomes an effective offensive player for the Kelowna Rockets. Speed, skill, I think those are the two big things that you take away from him. You know, I think he's a pretty dynamic player that that is creative and is going to create off offensive opportunities for for his team no matter where he's playing. So, Pavel Novak is a great value pick I think in the 5th round and I from what I've seen the Minnesota Wild are really excited to have him and uh, you know, we'll we'll see how his game continues to develop. Up next is Jaden Giroux. He is from the Portland Winterhawks, another overage player that had a tremendous breakout season. Uh, Giroux finished the season with 70 points, 19 goals, uh, and 51 assists in 61 games on the Portland Winterhawks team that won the Western Hockey League regular season title. They didn't get the opportunity to compete for the chance to win a WHL championship and go to the Memorial Cup. But Giroux, uh, another one of the Portland draft picks. Portland is just an NHL draft factory over these past couple of years. Uh, with Giroux, he goes to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, an NHL comparable for me to Giroux is a guy who's become a huge part of that team, and he's currently a restricted free agent. That's Anthony, Anthony Sorelli. You know, Sorelli can play at both ends of the rink. In Tampa, he's asked to play a more shutdown defensive role where he brings in the offense. I think Giroux could fit that mold the exact same way where he comes in as a later round pick makes that team with his skill with his work ethic finds his way into the lineup as a a power play penalty kill type player and then just works his way through just like Shirelli has done with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh what do you like about uh Jaden's game and where do you think he's going to go next season I think the Portland Winterhawks and those countless Blazers are going to be the two teams in the west that are competing for the WHL championship and Jerome's going to be a big part of that team yeah, absolutely. I mean, on paper, Portland is certainly shaping up to look that way and Kamloops as well. But I think one of the biggest benefits that players coming through the Portland Winterhawks system get to take advantage of is the fact that they're playing underneath Mike Johnston, head coach, general manager. Uh, you know, he's done tremendous work with that organization over the years, but he's also got experience at other levels. I mean, this is a guy who's coached in the NHL and knows what it takes for players to have to make that jump um, and become effective. So to me, that's one of the biggest assets that exists for a player who's going through Portland. Seth Jarvis talked about it. We heard him speak to the impact that Mike Johnston has had. And, uh, you know, I think Jane Durow can come in next year as a veteran guy and really like he took on a bigger role this year. Well, as a one year older and now knowing that, you're trying to make that leap to the National Hockey League, he can step in with a little bit more confidence, take on a bigger role, and you know, hopefully play some big minutes in some big games for a Winterhawks team that should go on a deep run under Mike Johnson. Well, our next player that got picked is number 148, Bear Hughes. Love the name. Uh, he's an 18-year-old rookie in the Western Hockey League this year. He played in the KIJHL, the Kootenai International, or I think it just might be the KJHL now, the Kootenai Junior Hockey League. No, no, you got it. It's the I do. I was right. International okay. Junior Hockey. It's international because of the Spokane Braves, which is where because. Bear Hughes played. There's one team across an international border. It's the Spokane Braves. Bear Hughes, who is from Post Falls, Idaho, very close to the Washington State border. Uh, he really exploded, just like Sertif did at the start of the season. He was a point-of-game guy, and then he kind of trailed off as the season went on, which one does when you're in your first year. It's a very tough schedule to play. There's a lot of learning just about the routines, uh, the league, the different buildings you go to, the road trips. It's just an adjustment period. So for Bear Hughes, I think that he had a very strong start to his, his WHL career. Obviously, getting drafted in the fifth round to the Washington Capitals is a testament to that. You know, when I'm looking at Bear Hughes, um, where he projects to be at the NHL level, he's going to be probably a bottom nine forward with a lot of skill, 
I think he's a guy that's going to have to understand a role on the team, much like a Nick Benino. He's a guy that's going to come in very skilled, very offensive. That's going to transition into a two-way type of player that is relied upon and trusted by his coaching staff. And he got that mentorship last year with Emmanuel Viveros, with those players that they have like Adam Beckman, like Ty Smith. And he's a very important part of that team as they get ready for this season. Uh, Taylor Bear Hughes to you. What type of player is he? What I love about Bear Hughes is I feel like the sky's the limit here. This is a kid who at 16 was playing rec league hockey, house league hockey. By 17, he was playing junior B. He was the rookie of the year in the KIJHL. And in his NHL draft year now, he's a major impact player for the Spokane Chiefs. This is a player, you know, we've talked about the, I don't want to say meteoric rise because that's pretty dramatic, but like we've talked about the rise of a player like Tristan Robbins. There is very possibly no player who has risen further and faster in the world of hockey than Bear Hughes. And so I look at the projection. I look at the way that Bear Hughes has trended over the past few years and how quickly he has adapted and grown and become a bigger, better player. I love the potential for him down the road to become an effective professional hockey player. This is, this is a guy who's shown that he has the ability to learn and adapt at a very quick rate. That's a tough thing to teach. You know, you can teach a player to work on his foot speed. You can teach a player to be better in certain areas of the game, but the intelligence that it takes to learn and adapt the way that Bear Hughes has had to learn and adapt to grow the way that he has over the last few years, I don't think that there's any way to replicate that so i love this pick for the washington capitals i think this is going to be a steal for them maybe it takes a little bit longer you know i still think there's a bit of a bit of project work to be done here with this player but um really i think there's a great opportunity for bear hughes to continue on this trend that we've seen from him and that uh, you know that means that he's going to be a very effective pro one day for the washington capitals well, our last pick in the in the fifth round is Casper Pudio. He had a little bit of an adventure last year. He started with the Swift Current Broncos and then got traded to the Everett Silvertips. You know, he's a very smooth skating, two-way defenseman. He has offensive upside, but he's a guy that we talked about this earlier too. When you don't notice him, that's when he's at his best. He's a great breakout pass. He always has his head up. His feet are always moving, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to lead the rush. He's not going to be your power play quarterback. He's going to be your PP two. He's going to be your penalty kill one. He's going to be a guy that, again, eats up a lot of minutes and gets the puck out of dangerous situations. He's a very good defenseman first, and then he moves up to the offensive side of the puck. He's starting this year in the Liga uh, in Finland there. He got drafted to the Florida Panthers. Florida is in a, I mean, they're in a state of what seems to be constant rebuild. And this is a player that, you know, at 153 is a tremendous pick in the fact that, like we talked about with Barry Hughes, the upside is, it's, it can be anything. This is realistically a guy that could come in and, and end up being your number two to number six defenseman. He can slot in in any position, but he's a guy that has the opportunity in Florida to go in there and earn a spot in the next couple of years. Taylor, where do you think that Casper uh, really improved last season coming over to North America and understanding this style of hockey? You've touched on this, Zach. I think the biggest asset that Casper Pudio brings is his skating ability and his defensive awareness. One of the toughest things for players to do when they're making the jump from the Western Hockey League to the professional game is to really pin down things on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, I think Casper Pudio already has that. Something that I think is really underrated that I started to notice from him, particularly once he got to Everett in the latter half of the season, uh, you know, prior to things being shut down, was even though he maybe isn't your, uh, you know, your typical power play one quarterback type defenseman, he does a really good job at filtering pucks through to the net. So not necessarily a big shot, but he finds ways to get pucks through uh, bodies and legs to create opportunities in and around the blue paint, uh, you know, whether it's on the power play or whether it's, you know, even at even strength. So that's something that I think is an underrated part of his game that could be a benefit to him at the next level. Um, within Florida's system, I think he kind of, something that I'm interested to see how it develops without knowing how it will, 
is, you know, a relationship with a player like Alexi Haponiemi. This is another highly skilled Finnish player who came through the Western Hockey League, came through the Swift Current Broncos, is in the Florida Panthers system, and is quite, I think, highly talented, has an opportunity to become a very skilled player in the top six for the Florida Panthers one day. You know, how does an Alexi Heponiemi help bring a Casper Pudio along? Uh, you know, I don't know if that was part of the logic behind a pick like this for the Florida Panthers, but I think you have two players that are in that similar sort of age bracket from the same development program from the same nation. Uh, you know, I think there's a good support there for those two players. And uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a benefit to Casper Pudio in the long run. Well, for Casper, he's again, starting the season over there in the Liga. Uh, no points so far, but uh, a, a guy that is expected to be on Finland's national junior team this year. And, you know, going to Florida, there's, it's a land opportunity right now. They are looking for anybody and anyone that can come in and help them turn around their fortunes. Uh, it's a team that has a new general manager. It has a new front office. Uh, they're looking to change things up and Casper could be a guy that's with this new regime, if they take a liking to him, could have an opportunity to be in the NHL a little bit quicker than some people think. Now we head to round six. And this for our league is, you know, it's an interesting group of players. We had five picks in the fifth round. I mean, sorry, five picks in the sixth round here. Uh, we start with pick number 164 and 165. Teammates Tyrell Bauer and Matthew Rempe from the Seattle Thunderbirds. Bauer goes 164 to the Winnipeg Jets and Rempe goes 165 to the New York Rangers. Bauer, big, tough, old-school throwback defenseman. Uh, he's a leader there in Seattle. The Seattle Thunderbirds staff love this guy. They think he is going to be a for-sure NHL player. Uh, he, he needs to work on some, some aspects of his game. He's got the defensive side down very well. He logs a ton of minutes, even at 17 years old. He's tough. He's not afraid of anybody. He needs to work on the skating, though. The boots, sometimes they get caught in the quicksand. He needs to be able to have that second level of speed, even as a bigger, tougher defenseman. You know, the game has just evolved so much. Also on that team, another guy who is huge. He is six foot eight, Matthew Rempe, another great story uh, from Edmonton, Alberta. He is drafted by the New York Rangers, 165 overall. Taylor Rempe at six foot eight. He can skate actually quite well. He handles the puck quite well. He shoots the puck quite well. It's the East-West for him that really needs to improve for him to get to the NHL level. But with that being said, he's six foot eight, he's 17 years old. That will come with time. I think that's a project pick for the New York Rangers. When you got to see Rempe play, what do you think is, you know, it's like watching a draft on ice, but a draft that can skate very well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're six foot eight and what, 220 pounds, uh, <laughs> You, you have the ability to generate a lot of space, especially when you can move effectively. So that's, you've talked about it. There's a little bit of work to be done there for Matthew Rempe, but what a great story. I mean, this player was, he wasn't ranked heading into the NHL draft at any point in time. So for the New York Rangers to think so highly of him to call him in the sixth round is a testament to the work that he's put in. And um, yeah, a little bit of project work for them there, but you can't coach size. I've said it before. You cannot coach somebody to be six foot eight. Uh, you can, however, coach a six foot eight player to be more effective when he's on the ice to skate better east to west and to, you know, make smart decisions and put himself in the right position. So I love this pick for the New York Rangers. I think it's low risk, high reward. If you can turn a six foot eight, 200 plus pound big bodied forward into an effective player. Um, you know, you've got a really good asset there. Well, I read he's already put on uh, up to 15 pounds. He's up to 235 with our extended off season here. So, you know, it's not just about putting on weight. It's about learning to use your body effectively. That's going to work for you to create, like we said, the most amount of space, not just for yourself, but for your teammates. He's already got the grit. He goes to the front of the net. He's not afraid of anybody, despite the fact that he was a little leaner last year. So he could be a guy that's a real force in the Western Hockey League this year and what looks like a great pick. I think a lot of people were scared of him because of the size and the skating. Some people get enamored with how big some guys are, but I really think that, yes, this is a project pick, but this is a pick, again, it has only upside. Um, I, and I think Matthew Rempe is the type of player and the type of person that really dedicates himself to the game, and he's going to continue to improve. 
How much he improves over the next couple of years is up to him. And he's got all the opportunity in the world in New York. Now, moving on from the Seattle Thunderbirds, we're heading as far east as we can to the Winnipeg Ice, where another tremendously high-skilled forward who unfortunately had a season end due to an injury, Connor McClellan goes 178th overall to the Philadelphia Flyers. You know who he reminds me a lot of? Is Flyers forward Travis Konechny. They're both very skilled undersized fours with a little bit of grit. Uh, McLennan, he's more of a, a playmaker and a secondary type player, but you need those type of guys. Just ask the Sedins. They've been looking for someone like that their entire career who can put the puck in the back of the net. And McLennan's certainly a guy who can do that. If you have a fantasy hockey team in the Western Hockey League and you're looking for a steal of a pick, I would choose Connor McLennan for this year with Peyton Krebs coming back. Matthew Savoy entering his first full season, Carson Lambos coming into his own into his NHL draft year. This is a guy who potentially could be a hundred point guy in the Western Hockey League this season. Can I say guy three to five more times? Let's see if I can do it here. But Connor McClellan, uh, tremendously skilled forward. A pick in the sixth round could be a steal. We've been saying that a lot because it's the draft. Everybody could be a steal or you could be a bust, but I don't think Connor McClellan's going to be a bust. Taylor, you've got to see him play since he was in minor hockey up until now. Uh, you know, Taylor, what have you heard about Connor uh, for this upcoming season? And what have you liked about his progression from the time he's entered the league until now? Well, I mean, coming up this season, you've touched on it. He's going to have the opportunity to play with a group of incredibly talented players. I think Peyton Krebs was probably one of the steals of the first round last year at the NHL draft. Again, part of that probably due to injury. But when you get to play with a guy like Peyton Krebs, you're going to be out there in key situations. And I really, you play in those key situations, it does a world for your confidence. So Connor McLennan is going to get that opportunity this year. And when he makes the most of it, it's going to really boost him. In terms of what he's done over the course of his time in the Western Hockey League, I mean, one of the first times that Connor McLennan really stood out to me was actually as a 15-year-old at the WHL Cup. He was one of the best players for Team Alberta in that event. You fast forward a couple of years, he goes to the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge, leads that tournament in scoring. That's nothing to turn your nose up at. To lead a tournament like that in scoring, you're playing against the best of the best in your age group in the entire world. Connor McLennan's done that for Hockey Canada. So this is another guy that Hockey Canada likes. And we've talked about, you know, how important that is for the long-term development of a player. Connor McLennan's going to have continued opportunity to play at high level in key roles. And he has the talent to be successful. Part of the knock on him at this point is his size, like five foot eight. He's going to have to work real hard and he's going to have to work real hard at his skating in order to, to make it at the next level. But there's no question that the talent and the ability is there. So I really like this pick for the Flyers. Well, to round out the, the last two picks in the sixth round, we have at 179, Hat Tigers backup goalie last season, Garen Bjorklund uh, to the Washington Capitals. I mean, for Garen, we didn't get to see a full season. He did play 28 games last year. He had 20 wins, five losses, and one overtime loss. He appeared in 28 games, I should say. Um, you know, he's a guy that this season, we're going to really see what type of goalie he is. He's a big goalie. Uh, he moves well, but again, we talked about that consistency. It's very tough to do as a backup goalie. And this year is going to be a big year for him now being the guy in medicine hat. And then 181st overall Cole Reinhardt from the Brandon Wheat Kings goes to the Ottawa senators. Uh, you know, Reinhardt, he's another overage player that got, that got drafted. He was unranked coming into this year's NHL draft. Uh, he had 31 goals and 24 assists for 55 points in 56 games. You know, he was a ninth round pick in the WHL Bantam draft in 2015. And now he's a sixth round pick in the NHL. So again, when we talk about, you know, it doesn't matter if you get drafted at 17, 18 or 19, it's all about that consistent development throughout the years. And you, you just never give up on yourself. Alex Cotton, these guys don't give up. They just go back and they work harder. Now we're heading into round seven. We had three players, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just mention Victor Pearson, uh, who was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, 191st overall. He's committed to play for the Kamloops Blazers this year. You know, Canucks, last time they picked a player out of the Western Hockey League that was from Sweden, that was a defenseman, was Alex Edler, so no pressure on him. But uh, 
I wouldn't mind if he turns into that. Other than that, we haven't got to see him play in the Western Hockey League next year uh, until next year. So I'll move on from him to pick number 204, which went to the Arizona Coyotes. And that is Ben McCartney from the Brandon Wheat Kings. The second overage player from the Brandon Wheat Kings to get selected in this year's NHL entry draft. McCartney, 25 goals, 36 assists, 61 points in 61 games. Meat and potatoes type of forward. He had 105 penalty minutes this season, which means he's not afraid to mix it up to go along with those 25 goals. I think that, uh, you know, NHL teams, they're more willing, it seems this year, to take a risk or to take a flyer on a guy who's a little bit older that they've seen that development from. Um, you know, this Brandon Wheat Kings team could be a sleeper team next year in the Western Hockey League to go on a run. You know, the Eastern Conference is wide open at the moment. You know, the Edmonton Oil Kings are definitely the favorite, but anybody can really come in and have a great year and put make a push for that Eastern Conference Championship, then go to the WHL Championship. And our last player that was picked in the draft comes in at number 208. That is Ronan Seeley to the Carolina Hurricanes from the Everett Silvertips. And the very first thing I want to talk to you about, Taylor, Ronan Seeley has played 115 WHL games. How many penalty minutes do you think that Ronan Seeley has? Oh, you're testing my knowledge here. 115 games? 115. He had three goals and 29 assists for 32 points in 63 games. So he's playing a lot. You can't get those points playing the minutes I played when I was in the Western Hockey League. He is he's a good player. He's out there against the other team's top players. How many penalty minutes do you think he has? All time in 115 career games without cheating. I'm going to just pull a number off the top of my head and say 42. He has 10 penalty minutes in 115 games. He had six penalty minutes last season. You know, I don't care about his skating. I don't care about his shooting. I don't care about his stick handling. If you showed me a guy that had 32 points in the Western Hockey League at 17 years old, and also only had 10 penalty minutes in his career, I'm going to take that player because that player is obviously incredibly smart, understands the game, does his homework, and is able to play the game at a very high level without putting his team in the box. I mean, for Seeley, as a seventh-round pick, you have nothing to lose going into camp and only everything to gain. I think for the Carolina Hurricanes, they got an incredibly smart, smart player a very good defenseman who's in a very good and very well-structured Everett Silvertips program that have gone to the league finals. Again, this past season, they would have had a chance to compete for a title. So for Seeley, uh, he was ranked 75th among NHL uh, Central Scouting's North American players. So to drop to 208, obviously for him is not, uh, not something that he expected or he wanted to see happen. But I think for himself, uh, just keep doing what you're doing. The Everett Silvertips are going to be another tremendous team this year heading into the year. But Taylor, just to wrap it up, you know, we had 28 players this year selected in the draft. You know, what are your thoughts on our guys that went and the guys that didn't go and, and just anything else you'd like to say? It's been back-to-back -back years of great success at the NHL draft for the Western Hockey League. We saw seven players selected in the first round in 2019 in Vancouver. We see seven players once again here in 2020. We saw 28 players selected in the 2019 NHL draft, 28 players once a game. You know, 28 players this year is second behind the Ontario Hockey League, which, uh, you know, is a testament not only to the Western Hockey League, but the CHL. It's, it was, uh, you know, a really, really proud year for the Canadian Hockey League and the Western Hockey League in the 2020 NHL draft. I... I'm really quite excited to see a number of these guys. You know, I know we didn't dig into our first round picks because there's a lot being said out there about those players, but um, I really, I want to talk about Seth Jarvis just for a minute because I, I'm a big fan of this player and this person. I think Seth Jarvis is an, a really mature young man who at 13 for the Carolina hurricanes is an excellent pick. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see what some of these other players who have gone to Canadian markets are going to do. You talk about a Caden Gooley who's going to go into a pressure cooker in Montreal as another Western Hockey League defenseman that the Habs have called. Think about 
the excitement and the exuberance of a Connor Zary and the electricity that he's going to bring to the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, these are these are going to be really cool stories that I think play out over the course of the next few years here. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm really excited to see develop is the impact that some of these guys are going to have in Canadian markets and, um, you know, the roles that they're going to be able to step in and play for their teams in the coming seasons. Oh yeah. Talking about the Calgary flames. Imagine Dylan Dubé, Connor Zary on the same line flying around out there. I mean, those are important players. Dubé's come in and he's established himself as, a guy on the Calgary flames. And I think a lot of the players that were selected in this year's draft have the same opportunity to go do that in the coming years. So with that being said, thank you so much to Taylor. Uh, congratulations again to everybody who was selected in the NHL entry draft. It is an honor and a privilege. And with that, we are done this week's episode of the WHL podcast. I would like to thank Taylor again, because he did our interview with Seth Jarvis as well. Um, so Taylor, you pulled double duty this week. We appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we sign off? A man of few words, but boy, do they mean a lot to us. That is Taylor <laughs> Roca. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hodder. You can follow the Western Hockey League at the WHL. We'll be back with another episode next week on Wednesday, as always. And with that, I hope you have a great weekend.